Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Hello. Hi. Today we're going to be playing Tabriz, designed by Randy Flynn of Cascadia, developed by John Brieger of Cartographers, Roleplayer Adventures, Lockup, Kabuto Sumo, Floorplan, uh, and Michael Dunsmore of Kabuto Sumo. The artist is Sid Finney, and it is future published in 2023. (laughs) The Kickstarter is actually going right now. By uh, Crafty Games. Crafty. I'm crafty. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We were playing Sleeping Gods last night, and I was very crafty. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Shut up now. (laughs) No, this is great. This is great. It's been a while. I haven't done this in a while. (laughs) Race to become the most famous carpet weaver in the bustling Persian market in the city of Tabriz. Start your rise to fame by completing commissions for the laborers and before long and before long the merchants and aristocracy will take notice. Send your apprentices around the Grand Bazaar to try and trade for the materials you need. Fill mm. commissions quickly and efficiently to earn the most prestige and overcome your competition. Only one weaver can be the best. So work fast to secure your reputation as the undisputed master of your craft. The mechanics are area movement, contracts, dice rolling, Income, market, modular board, solo solitaire, and worker placement. I knew there had to be worker placement once you were reading the description. I was like, there's got to be worker placement here. <laughs> and the box art, Kate? Sorry, from this angle, the lighting is weird. Um, let's see. So it looks like kind of, uh, I feel like I've used this before, but like a Disney movie cover uh, mm-hmm. or poster. Um, so it has that like animated look to it. Um, but it's a, a street scene with some very colorful carpets hanging. I guess it looks like a boy and I don't know, a young person mm-hmm. uh, walking down the middle. Um, looks like he's determined he's on a, an, on an errand. Um, yeah. Tabriz looks like it has some Arabic above it. Yeah, at some point, I imagine uh, a blue genie pops out with the voice of Robin Williams and mm-hmm. just starts singing about Arabian Nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on this, would you pull it <laughs> off a shelf? I would. Uh, well, because also we were just talking about this in one of my history classes a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I'm very interested because I know a little bit of the history of the city that this is named after. And there are some, I feel like Miss and Legends did one like years ago on carpet making and especially some of the emperors of some of these old places uh, taking up crafts like carpet making. So I would even the Disney-esque look of it. Kiwi? Uh, I put it on the list specifically because of the designers and the people involved. Mm -hmm. So uh, Cascadia is one we really enjoyed. And then John Breaker has been the designer. He was just a developer for this, but he's been the designer for a lot of games that I think all four of us really enjoy. So um, that's the sole reason that I picked it and put it on the list because I liked those designers and developers. Yeah, I would say same same reason. I would pick it up pretty much because that cast of creators um i don't know if carpet making draws me in um, <laughs> the box art is nice but again it, 
I don't know if it would grab me either. But yeah, the list of people was was good. Um, yeah, I'll piggyback on that. I I like a lot of those games that you listed. Actually, I maybe haven't played too many of them, but Lock Up definitely mm-hmm. um, caught my ear. We played Cascadia. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, similarly, like carpet making doesn't sound too fun, but the, the cover makes it look like it's going to be uh, fun and playful and... Um, yeah, but worker placement is, I'm still working on worker placement. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. But I, I, it's, it's not like I, I dislike it or anything. So yeah, I'd pick it up. So how do you think that worker placement is going to play? Okay, so I have to scroll up here. I was like, oh, BP's got ideas. Yeah, I, do, <laughs> I do have ideas because um, it said something about uh, we have to fill commissions. No, it was... We need to get the the materials we need, right? So I think um, our apprentices are like the little person who's running through the bazaar. That's our our those are part of our our workers, right? So we need to get the materials. So I'm assuming we're going to need to get silks. We're going to probably need thread, uh, maybe some wools. Uh, to be able to weave this, we're probably going to need weavers or, or are we the weaver? Only one weaver. So we are the weaver. So we're going to need to be able to get silks and threads to be able to make our, maybe even we're going to uh, embellish them with some actual gold threads, uh, which would have contained actual real gold. So yeah, uh, that's our worker placement. I got so, that part done. So child labor placement. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I mean, pre-modern societies don't, you know. So are you imagining this more of like a, a, a Gutenberg, but instead of printing, you're yeah, doing rugs? that's a, the game that was in my head mm-hmm. when we we're like, mm-hmm. talking through this. It sounds very similar, like the commissions. And then yeah. you know, we, we could even be doing dye in this one as well. I yeah. don't know. Well, Ooh. maybe. Different thread. Mm-hmm. Red will be weaving. easy. Mm-hmm. Red will be easy. It'll be difficult to get like purples and greens and gold. Indigo. Perhaps in, yeah, perhaps in real life. Maybe 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 red's the hard one to get in this game because it's just a board game and not real life. <laughs> it's a big assumption you're making there. This could be real life. We are going to actually have to weave a carpet. <laughs> <laughs> it did say crafty games and we know how crafty apparently uh, Kate is feeling today. <laughs> watch out all right. I know. All right. uh, history yeah, we got it. of tapestries uh, they're kind of tapestries actually though and uh, which by the way before she goes means there's going to be nothing about tapestries mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean rugs tapestries are just rugs on the walls um, so as I said I was so excited too when uh, Kiwi brought this name up because I was like nope totally know it totally like ready for it um, uh, so I'm teaching a history of the Middle East class right now which uh, not to digress into how I teach that but one of the things we were talking about recently was with the Mongol conquest and that's where Tabriz really comes into its own is under the Ilkhanate uh, that was established under the Mongols during the 1200s and 1300s. And so 
when uh, the Mongols set up their various empires across the Eurasian continents, uh, one of the things that like scholars kind of gloss over is that, oh, this helped with overland travel and, you know, helped facilitate the increase in commerce along the Silk Roads. Well, it's a very right kind of simplistic view of it, but what ends up happening when you have different people take over different territories for trade networks is that trade networks then shift slightly. And so Tabriz would rise during this medieval period, uh, while other cities might have uh, sent in sent into a tad bit of decline, right? And part of that would be because, I mean, it wasn't totally peaceful travel. There would still be wars and there would still be banditry. Uh, but you'll see a shift during that period in trade routes. Also during this period, what's interesting and what's interesting to the growth of Tabriz is that uh, merchants will be able to travel all the way from, as I explained to my students, from point A to point Z. So they may be able to travel from, say, uh, the Mediterranean Sea all the way to uh, the South China Sea overland as one person, as opposed to the trade networks before um, they would have, right, people would have gone from A to B, then B to C, then C to D, right? So a good would have traveled the whole route, but a person would not have. And so that's what's interesting is because during this period, while yes, it was um, conquered under the Arabs during the big conquests of the 700s and then uh, was incorporated as one of the big cities during the Abbasid Empire, and then, of course, right, rose to its fame during the Mongol period when trade and commerce were at its height and when silk especially um, became this luxury item that moved from east to west. And not just in bulk items, but various places be, uh, began to um, incorporate it into their own. And so, of course, like the idea of, quote unquote, Persian rugs or Persian carpets are even still quite a luxury item today, those began to be produced right throughout the Persian empires and then the later Safavids and then um, Qajar and other empires later. Uh, silk was also then produced in Constantinople, Istanbul. Yep. And also in Europe, in Paris, especially. And so you'll have these different kind of places for weaving and making of silks. Um, and obviously, right, the carpets of Tabriz will become highly valued and highly famous, right, throughout the kind of early modern period, the 1500s and 1600s. So it's pretty cool to kind of think about um, when the city was built up, especially during um, the 1500s and 1600s. In fact, there's 16th century maps of the area, and that's when the famous uh, Grand Bazaar, which is actually pictured in the um, box art and uh, the Blue Mosque. And those are two of the biggest kind of um, landmarks that are still around today because Post early modern era and into the modern era, uh, this part, because Tabriz itself is pretty far north in modern day Iran. Uh, and so 
It's uh, kind of along the border of Azerbaijan, modern day Azerbaijan. And so in the late in the 1800s and early 20th century, early 1900s, it fell to uh, Russian invasion as the Russian Empire was building. And so uh, suffered a lot of damage during that period. And then only during kind of later periods in the 20th century did it then become more incorporated into Iran. So it's got a fascinating history politically, but also economically and uh, architecturally, but also art wise. And then in kind of the constitutional movements throughout the Middle East in the late 1800s and early 1900s, it served as kind of this fantastic, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like uh, anchor, I would say. Yeah, that's what I'm going to use. Okay. So there you go. Tabriz. Very excited. I'm done. All right. Uh, so let's uh, let's find out how to play. So uh, we are merchants that manufacture and sell carpets. I think we have established that. Uh, our aim over three rounds is to fulfill commissions to gain prestige and improve our skills. And the most prestigious carpet weaver is the winner. Uh, the most recent player to pet a cat is the first player, which I think might be BP. That was unexpected. <laughs> yep. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe because Persian cats. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, it doesn't really explain it in the book and nowhere else in the rule book did I find anything else about cats. So I'm <laughs> yeah, going to guess. Unless you pet Sir Patrick after I did. No, I think you said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, BP will be the first player. So the game yeah. is played over a series of rounds in which each player will end up taking three turns. The game will end when a player has completed nine or more commissions or gained 14 skill by the end of a round. Each round contains two parts. So the workshop phase, which is we'll skip in the first round, but uh, essentially we're going to replenish all of the shop tiles. We're going to lift all of our apprentices so they're upright. We're going to roll the dice for each tile that requires it and place materials as per the tile's instructions. And then any player with completed commissions with workshop actions, take them in turn order uh, and then uh, pass the first player token to the left. So that's what we'll start each phase with or each round with. And then for player turns. Uh, so on your turn, you're going to move one apprentice. So you're going to pick one of your apprentices that has not moved this round. So they'll be standing upright and move it orthogonally one to three tiles. They cannot remain on the tile they started on. And you're going to follow the footsteps on the board in either direction. And then upon reaching the desired destination, you're going to lay the apprentice down on its side to show that it's moved that round. So once you reach that destination, you can, if you want, perform the destination's tile actions. So courtyard tiles will have random materials added during the workshop phase and you'll be able to purchase them. Alley tiles, will you'll be allowed to purchase dice that you'll roll and then you'll gain materials from the sides that you roll. The traders will allow you to trade one material for another. Shops allow you to purchase the material specific to that shop. And then the market square allows you to collect new commissions and or visit the bank. Uh, And then finally, if you have a complete commission, meaning you have enough materials to complete it, you can return the materials to the supply, collect the commission's reward, and then tuck the completed commission under your weaver mat so that only the bottom strip is visible, as that bottom strip is going to give you additional abilities or end of game bonuses and that kind of like. And then once complete, play moves to the next player. 
So the round ends when all players have used their three apprentices. Apprentices? Apprentices, probably. Uh, if a player has nine or more commissions completed or 14 or more skill, at this point, the game is over. The first player to obtain this will immediately gain two prestige, and a player's total prestige is then calculated from their completed commissions and their skill track. The player with the most prestige is the winner. Uh, a tie, the players add up all their money and materials with each material worth one, and the player with the most is the winner. And if they're still tied, they share the victory. So them's the rules. Well, let's play. We just finished a game of Tabriz. To recap, uh, I had 11, I forgot what all the things were. Wool? Wool points? Wool points. Kate had 12, what? Camel hair. Camel hair points. BP had 14 red points. And Kiwi won with 19 silk points. Uh, winning strategy, Kiwi. Uh, I saw that money might be a problem, so I immediately went for ones that would give me money each round. And then I just tried to finish. And then when I realized I only needed a couple of commissions left, I went for just easy ones so that I could complete the just easy ones. Anybody else? Yeah, I was... Uh, see, at the end, I chose these couple of actually kind of harder ones because they got more victory points at the end. And then I realized halfway in the round, I wasn't going to be able to complete them before Kiwi. I wasn't tracking how close he was. Uh, but I was just started off complete commissions to get money. Um, yeah, I guess uh, nothing too much to add, just to complete commissions to get the money and resources to do more um i just tried my luck kind of early on with um trading resources to get other resources i think i um did that a lot um yeah i don't know okay uh what did you think of the theme what, what did about you? you oh uh you don't get to go because you had <laughs> last place <laughs> no i uh so like the second round, I didn't realize there was a way to get money. Hmm. So I just sort of wasted that round and then I was behind. Mm -hmm. And so then I just, just quit. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to not waste time. Uh, yeah, it was, there was no catch up. So everyone else was just completing all this stuff. So I was like, yeah, I don't know. What did you think of the theme? Did you feel like a rug person? Weaver? Uh, a little bit. And I think no, okay. I was <laughs> um, <laughs> just say when I went to do the recap at the points, I had to look to remind myself what, what the, the theme, theme was. was. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I mean, I guess with the worker placement helps a little bit because you are like sending someone out to go get your wool and your silk. No, you're I going to get colored cubes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're, you're getting you're putting colored a, cubes and money. I uh, yep. <laughs> uh, Kiwi, anything to add? No, nah, I tried to force myself to use like what it what actually was, but it, I had to force myself to do it. Yeah, you, know, you, you didn't get the the uh, 
Grand Austria Hotel where it was, mm. you know, we definitely knew what each of the cubes was in Grand Austria Hotel because we were playing into it. And this one, it was just kind of like get cubes, complete cards. It was just set collection. The only one I kept using was Bull, but I was using it for the wrong one. So, <laughs> so do you think that like, because there were the spots in the mark in the market or what's the the bazaar, right? Where you could do the trades and stuff. Do you yeah. think that there should have been more of that to get the theme? Because like, like there, we just, I don't know. I usually just went to the ones where you straight up got resources, but occasionally use those other ones. And I think those would bring more theme in, you know, you're going to go to so-and-so stand and make a I deal. I don't know that you're going to no, get theme into yeah. this game in the current way. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. the only way would be like, if the cards weren't, you know, if there was like a specific pattern you were trying to build mm -hmm. with the See, different. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So kind of like what we had with uh, Gutenberg, where there was like, you needed certain mm -hmm. letters, you needed certain colors. Yeah. I just didn't feel like we had that with this one. It was just, you know, put these cubes on this card and you get the card. Uh, table presence, BP? I mean, it's it's got a, you know, basic map of Tabriz with some colored tiles and colored cubes. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the cards are bland, you know, because they're just like, here are the cube colors you need, how many cubes you need. I don't know. There's just, there's not a lot of pull and umph or, you know, like spark, but it's also pretty straightforward-ish. I think the skill things were, I had questions on when you got leveled up on those skills. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing. I mean, it's very colorful. It's nice. Yeah. It. Yeah. I like the main board. I Maybe you could have had a little more theme if each of the little rule box things had a little bit more like look like a shop or something look mm -hmm. like a trading market i don't know maybe something there but it also may have gotten too messy yeah and yeah. then the the player boards could have been a little more injured those are, i think were the bland part that don't jump out at you but mm -hmm. otherwise it's it's not bad kiwi anything no i think you guys kind of hit it i think there are places where they could have done a little bit better but i mean there would be a fear of making it cluttered i think yeah yeah, I mean, a market, a real, to make it authentic, it would be chaos because that's what they True. usually like, True. just color and yeah. things all over the place. So that wouldn't help gameplay. Mechanics, Kiwi? Uh, I did like the, uh, you know, because with most worker placements, it's just take it from your player board, put it on a space and mm -hmm. like you can't go where somebody else has gone. But they kind of took that and made it like, yeah, you can go anywhere you want to, but your people can only move so far. Uh, so it reminded me a little bit of... Uh, what was it? Merchants of the Night Road. Is that what we played with the name of that one game uh, where, you you know, that one kind of forced you to you always had to go in a in a clockwise uh, manner. I think that's what you you, you always had to go in the, in the same direction. This one, you could kind of move all over the place. But there were definitely a couple of times where I thought like, OK, I need to go here. So I need to move this guy so that I can move this other guy. And I think that kind of caught Kate at the end, too, uh -huh. where she moved the wrong person. Um, so I liked that because I don't think we've played any worker placement that had a similar mechanic to that. So I thought it was interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, but <laughs> I really did not like that I could not just stay where <laughs> I was and get the resource. <laughs> I didn't like the that you had to move. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I would like that the ones where you roll the die 
came into play more. Like, I feel like you could have played this game and not never done any of those. They didn't seem that great, you know? It just seemed Mm -hmm. like, let me go to a safe bet. That seemed like the more interesting part of the game. And I think I did it the most Mm because it was fun. (laughs) But uh, it definitely didn't seem like the right move. So, yeah, I wish that would uh, played a little bit more into it. Mm-hmm. I'd also agree with, like, the movement thing. It's interesting, but also, like, there were a couple of times where it's like, oh, I looked up and there's no wool. And it's like, well, the next wool spot is out of range. Yeah. So, yeah. guess I'll do nothing. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I like the idea of the movement thing. I don't think it worked. It's fair. I think it caused more frustration than enjoyment. Uh, rules. How is it learning the game? I think, I, yeah, I think, it, yeah, pretty straightforward. Aside from, again, uh, the skills, like the iconography, when you moved up in skill level, I think was the only thing that was a little bit challenging. But it seemed pretty straightforward once we got that you actually had to move and, you know, what the limitations were and how to roll the die and each of the marketplaces. Um, yeah. I don't think it was challenging. I don't know if it was that straightforward. I feel mm-hmm. like the first few rounds, Kiwi went back to the rule book a lot, especially with the dice rolling spots mm-hmm. um, and maybe some of the iconography. I don't know exactly, but it felt like you were jumping into the rule book more than normal. Yeah, I think that's true. I think and I think it goes back to BP's iconography bit. I don't think the iconography was necessarily intuitive. I, there were a couple of spaces where, okay, that makes sense because they were, you know, we've played other games. So like the trading ones, like I think everybody kind of looked at those and was like, okay, I get that. But the dice ones were a little bit confusing. And we definitely, as we went to each spot, we mm-hmm. would go through each one. And I think... I would probably change up my teach a little bit because I, I feel like I tried to do that in the beginning with, you know, we went through each of the locations, mm-hmm. but then it was still like each of the die roll ones is different. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of had to do each one of those individually. So I'm not sure how I would change it, but I think I would need to change it if I had to do this teach again. And I think I would have to put a little bit more thought into it. I think it was the last round or second to last that you offered to teach one of the dice rolling spots to somebody. And I was like, I just thought to myself, like, this seems way too late in the game to learn this. Well, (laughs) and I think that goes back to what you had said about mechanics, Eric, in that it, it didn't seem like the dice rolling spots were very rewarding. And so people didn't adventure to them. Again, they went for the safe bets, as you guys had said. And so... Like, yeah, I looked at Gita's marketplace because it has no die on it, whereas the other one at least had die. And it was just like, okay, well, why is this one empty? And why, you know? I will say I did that one on the very first turn and never went back to it. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, like maybe a little bit more money at the marketplace or something to make those ones worthwhile. I don't know. Yeah, because they would just be... The one in the upper left, too, like got me, I think, like twice because, you know, I just like go over there and then I can't pay for any of it. And it's a total loss of turn. That was a second round because I didn't have enough money and there weren't resources out. So I was like, I guess I'll go to these dice rolling places. I went to both of them and couldn't afford anything. Couldn't do anything. And and then then it's like, oh, you can go to the market and get money. I was like, oh, shit, I should have done that earlier. Right. And and I think the one thing that I noticed is, you know, because I tried to find a place where, you know, where is the cheapest that I can get camel hair 
and none of the like stores or trading places, they're all worth about the same. Like yeah. two of the stores, it was exactly six to get two of them. So there wasn't like a a place where it was like, okay, everyone's going to try to jam into there because you can get camel hair for the cheapest from that store. You know, there right. was no, there was no place like that, which seemed a little weird to me. It seemed yeah. like, like halfway through, I was like, man, I feel like, yeah, like you said, everything is like pretty much a set value and trade value. And I was like, I feel like you could probably just math this out yeah. and like mm. figure it out. But I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing that. So yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go roll these dice. Soap. Nope. Yeah, the camel hair really got me. I I think all my commissions had like four or five camel hair. Oh. And, was like, and so I just kept getting the red to trade out for camel hair. Yeah. Uh, player interaction. Uh, I think it was like reverse player interaction. It seemed like it was irritating to have other people playing the game. <laughs> like everybody was just like trying to like, like not like skip each other or like, I don't know. Definitely, I would say no on player right. action. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think I don't. I don't think I hit a single point where like somebody took a spot that I needed and was like irritated. And I don't think anybody was like looking ahead to think like, oh, Kiwi's got a bunch of whatever. I'm going to go here to make sure he doesn't get this other thing. Like, I think that. And and if I remember, there was only like one or two where somebody was like, oh, somebody already bought all the wool. When did that happen? Yeah, I would I would just when my turn came around look and be like, oh, there's no resources out. Um figure out something else to do. But yeah. I didn't really like I think it was just a matter of there's limited resources and four players. Yeah, and nothing to add. Just maybe once somebody like bought what I was gonna buy and then it that was yeah. tricky, but then that's it. It also took a while between turns coming around. So yeah, yeah sometimes. sometimes, but other times yeah. it would go fast. It all depended on what the person before you was doing. All right. Uh, would you play it again, Kate? <laughs> oh, no. Um, I guess not. <laughs> wow. I was, that was so I'm surprising. I, yeah. It might be in the category that if somebody has it, I would play it, but I won't go seek it out. I don't know. I know I'm alone, like, defending the theme, but I think... Especially in person. I, I think in person it would be faster and it could be a little bit more fun. But yeah, no, a lot of strikes against it. So is that technically a no or a yes? I would say that's probably a no. <laughs> okay. It's kind of up to you. No, yeah, no. Yeah. When we use this category of I won't seek it out, but if, if no. it was lying around and somebody that's wanted to a play no. it, that's a no. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I wouldn't, like, I don't dislike it so much that I'd be like, uh-uh, no, not spending time on that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Kiwi? Um, I'm going to go with no also. I think there are other worker placements that I would rather play. I'm a little disappointed based on the designer and the developers that were a part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt like it might have lasted a little longer than it needed to. And I Mm -hmm. think the lack of a catch-up mechanic, I think it was, you know, I, I could definitely see that one, Eric was getting a little frustrated and the fact that there wasn't really a way for him to catch up, like, that's not really a fun type of game to play. Like I want everybody to have a chance, like regardless of what mistakes they might make in the beginning. And if a game doesn't allow you to like correct for your mistakes, like it's just, I think generally not a game that I really want to play multiple times. So yeah, I'll go with no. Yeah, no, uh, I I just don't like games that people can get knocked out early in. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I, I think the difference between a game like this and like I'll, I'll go with Caverna because it's the one we play the most worker place mini is like your build. You have even if like so when we play Caverna, I'm almost certainly going to win because I know the game. But like everybody has like a, a a village they've built, right? Like this, you don't you have a list of car like it's mm-hmm. I didn't even feel like I built any cool rugs or anything. Right. I just had uh, it's like halfway through. I was like, what's like, what am I accomplishing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, when you read the description, I was getting excited that we might have patterns at the end and we might actually have like a product to show for it. Um, so that would be cool. Yeah, I am also going to go with no for many of the same reasons already stated. Um, I mean, I really wish I... Uh, could have beat Kiwi. And so there's that element to want to go back and play it again to beat Kiwi. But um, yeah, cubes, monies, resources. I mean, you could make there. Tabriz is really famous for its rugs. And it, like, I don't know. I wanted some prettiness. That wasn't very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was Tabriz. <laughs> oh, I guess I sounded really bad at the end, huh? <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of glad that this episode doesn't come out until after the Kickstarter. <laughs> like, I'd be really, I feel really bad if it was like during. Okay, well, I guess I'll just take us out then on that note. Um, So if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, just send them our way. You can do so via email at firstturntabletop at Gmail or Twitter, Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel says as he is walking across those Tabriz rugs, he's just saying, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. His wool is free at Faraday's deals. I haven't done anything yet. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh-huh. It was taking so long. I figured you were done. No, I just don't know. <laughs> Buy some stuff. I don't know.